Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitaki, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 90. Uh, Today is... uh, an exciting day. It's always an exciting day here on the podcast, but today's an exciting day because I have another fellow podcaster on the show with me. His name is Bryce Prescott, and he's an entrepreneur, a performance coach with several successful business endeavors under his belt. Bryce Prescott makes expertise, knowledge, and practical proven processes available to those looking to take their lives, businesses, health, and being to an elevated level. And so I always get excited when we have topics like this. We have people like this on the podcast because we're really getting a chance to grow as individuals, to grow as leaders, and uh, to kind of question in some cases uh, where we've been, take uh, take a, a chance to reflect some of the things that we've learned along our journey and hopefully share them with uh, you, the audience, so that uh, you can kind of learn from our mistakes, learn from our successes and everything else. So Bryce, say hello to the audience and uh, tell them a little bit more about yourself. Well, thanks, Mark. Or, I called you Mark, but that's you call not, me Mark. That's cool. I, I see on my screen we're doing this as video over video as well, and there's a thing that says "Trost Mark something." I apologize, Evan. <laughs> I know your name's not Mark. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on your show, man. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you and uh, and the listeners of this program. It's uh, it's always fun to be able to uh, hope you know plant that seed of connection with those out there that are looking to take things to a to a different level. Um, you know, that's always kind of been my goal ever since, uh, you know, I got into business. You know, I've always been kind of a young hustler. I remember as a kid, I was, you know, trading matchbox cars to get the one that I wanted and, <laughs> and just always was, was okay with sales and, and it, uh, you know, produced some really incredible opportunities for me throughout my career evolving to the point to where now as as uh, you so eloquently said in uh, my intro was, you know, I'm, I'm a performance coach now. I'm like my, my job and my main intention is to take, I call them half in, half out business professionals. And what I mean by that is that they are 100% responsible for their own money, but yet they still are required in some level to be a part of a corporate structure process, whether it be their own that they've created in a small business that they run and they have employees, whether it be they're in real estate or insurance or mortgages or any of those other sort of sales-based professions, car sales even, um, or whether they're just you know looking to create something for themselves. I've walked that path and I've realized along the way that if I would have had somebody there to help me avoid some of the pitfalls and and the, the gullies and the different things that can really trap you up and, and get you off course, it would have been nice. And so that's that was the main motivation and why I got into coaching and, and podcasting. I've been a podcaster for almost four years now. And uh, actually, that's not true. It's over four years. Four and a half years is how long <laughs> it's been. Um, several hundred episodes I've executive produced. I've executive produced other shows. I love the medium. You know, digital uh, on-demand radio is basically what podcasting is. You got a radio station in your pocket attached to your phone that you can access at any time. And so, uh, you know, when I when, when you and I first connected, uh, Evan, I was excited to talk to your people 
and uh, in the little tribe you'd built with uh, with the Tulsa group there, because I know that um, if I can just connect with one person and and my message and my experience can help one person to make a shift, that person will bring that shift into their family, and then that family will shift, and that family will adjust in the community and the community. I mean, there's it's it's really is a ripple effect, like throwing a stone into a lake. And I'm just excited to kind of share with you whatever whatever you want me to share, man. Whatever we can talk about, I'm open. <laughs> well, thank you for uh, broadening the description. I think that definitely helps the audience get a little bit better understanding of you. Uh, we actually connected because of Sheree Alexander. She was yeah. on podcast number 87. And she, uh, after we talked, she was like, you need to talk to Bryce. I think that you guys are doing a lot of the same things and listening to you talk even about some of the the things that you're uh, doing in terms of performance coaching and whatever else. So I'm not, I'm not a performance coach. So I was like having other people on that kind of talk about this stuff, but yeah. I think uh, the, the target audience for what you do is really tied to my audience because my audience is a lot of those half in half out guys. They're finding themselves in those leadership roles. Maybe they're working their way up. Uh, obviously we, we, we want to have the entrepreneurial minded guy on as well. And so they're, they're, topics of conversation are going to be a little bit different. But uh, I think if, if anyone's a sidepreneur, if anyone's finding themselves in that leadership role, they're dealing with a lot of some uh, a lot of the challenges that maybe you faced in some of the journeys that you've had. And I really want to start off a little bit because just hearing your story uh, in the pre-show when we talked earlier uh, was really compelling. And so I'd, I'd love for you to take a moment and kind of give us uh, some of the cliff notes a little bit of your story and why you uh, why you have the experience that you have that led you to performance coaching, but also led you to podcasting a little bit later on as well. Sure. Well, that's uh, how long you got, man. That's a pretty. Uh, <laughs> a pretty well, I don't, I don't have story. any. I don't have any major, uh, you know, breaks that I have to take for commercials or anything like that. So we can we can we can rock and roll as needed. All right, man. I love it. Well, I guess it's fair. I, I said a little bit of the stage in, in my comment before where I talked about how I've, I've always been somewhat of an entrepreneur, a little young hustler as a, as a kid and, and was was not afraid of sales. What that did, uh, the, the most sort of, uh, I guess, publicly exposed, if you will, um, venture of mine was back in uh, 2008, had a partner and we got into, we got in on the right side of the mortgage market crash and the real estate crash. We... Uh, it's kind of an interesting story, or at least I think it's interesting. We, I, I was at that time, I was a mortgage broker, and I was uh, I, I'd created a nice little business for myself there. I, I found a, a brokerage that back at the time it was a little bit more lenient than it is now, as far as the laws of of you know what it takes to be one. They didn't have the PLM requirement that they have now, and that it just was a lot simpler to build out a team, and the and the money was better as well. It wasn't so regulated. And I had a nice little team underneath me of loan officers. I had a connection with several real estate agents and I had a nice little thing going. And uh, the writing was on the wall that things were going to be changed. I mean, house values couldn't keep going up at the rate that they were. The, the, the ease of money. I mean, there was, there was whisperings of, you know, that people had gotten their dogs, zero, you know, no income, no <laughs> asset loans and, and everything. And you, you come to find out later that was absolutely true, even though I never personally, you know, saw it firsthand. And uh, I didn't want to, I'd created a nice little business for myself, you know, well into six figures a year and just enjoying that lifestyle and, and uh, didn't really want to acknowledge kind of the little whisperings I was seeing about what was really going on in the mortgage business. And in January of 2008, a friend of mine called me up and he says, Hey dude, you know, this is coming. You got to prepare for it. I have a way I've learned through a couple of my channels. I have a way where we could actually buy homes that are already past the foreclosure process where the bank has had to take them back 
And because of what's been happening with the FDIC at this time, the, the laws were different then. The FDIC was going in and shutting down banks if they did if they had too much bad debt on their books. And so these banks had a strong incentive to get rid of these these houses that were just sitting on the, you know, off balance to for almost nothing. And so he's like, look, we can buy these houses for pennies on the dollar. And I quite literally did not believe him. I was in mortgages. I, I thought a bank won't discount a half a point of yield spread. Why in the world would they sell a house for a nickel on the dollar? That doesn't make sense to me. So I wished him well. And at the same time, it was in this kind of uh, part of my experience, I was I was first getting into some some business development principles that were a little bit off to the side. And what I mean by that is I started reading, uh, I, I was introduced to this book called the, the Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It's a book by T. Harv Eker. And it's a great business book in that it allows the reader to dive in and to diagnose where their mindset is specific to money. And it gives this point counterpoint sort of structure where it's like, if you have a success-based mindset about money, you're going to think this way. If you don't, you're going to think this way. Very, very insightful read. And it was the first book that ever introduced to me the idea that your thoughts matter. You know, the, the, I, I realized later on that I was being primed to understand on a deeper level what's known as the law of attraction, where what you think about and where you focus your intent actually plays a very key role in the results you experience and the way you live life. Well, I get introduced to this book and a part of that book was uh, an invitation to go to what they called the Millionaire Mind Intensive. It was a three-day event that was in Denver, Colorado. I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they said at this, you know, it was very vague, but they said at this event, we're going to expound on the principles of the book so that you leave the event with an entirely new mindset regarding money, with a bunch of new great connections, and your life will be changed. Mm -hmm. So my wife and I, my father-in-law and mother-in-law decided, let's let's give it a go. My father-in-law was the one that introduced me to that book. So we go to Denver. Three of the most transformative days of my life kicked me in so many different ways towards where I needed to go. I look back now and I realized the stage was set for some of the biggest financial uh, windfalls I've ever had was relationships I made at that place, mindsets I adopted, shifts I made in the way I looked at things. And uh, one of the key parts of that event is they obviously they try to sell other events like they it was a selling event. So they they were selling an event that was two weeks later in Los Angeles. And I really wanted to go to this one because it was called Never Work Again. And the whole point of the Never Work Again event was to either let you buy into existing passive income opportunities or to create your own where you have limited management for money that's coming in, you know, the whole make money while you sleep sort of idea. So I was really intrigued by that. And so um, long story short, I, I figured out a way to go. I, I had met a relationship there and I ended up in Los Angeles two weeks later. And while I'm there, and like I said, I'm from Salt Lake City, there's this, uh, this presentation that's happening with these two schmucks from Utah that are presenting the exact same idea and business uh, plan that my friend had, had proposed <laughs> to me four months earlier. Yeah. And they were tripping all over themselves. They weren't polished. It was really unsettling, but yet their, their model seemed sound. And the most appealing thing about it was is that people were tripping over themselves to give them money at the end of that thing. I was in a room of maybe 800 to 1,000 people and there was a line of 150 or so, at least, uh, wanting to talk to them and become clients of them. And I'm doing the math. Their their introductory uh, offering was at 25 grand, and I'm like, wow, like this. 
So I'm like, I got to learn more about this. I walked out of the van. I called my buddy and I said, dude, I apologize. I didn't see it. I've gotten some validation from this thing. What do we got to do to run that up the pole? Got home from Salt Lake. We incorporated. And uh, it was the start of about a four-year run that I'd never thought possible that I experienced in my entire life. I mean, we we were a part of close to 8,000 flips in the residential space. Wow. We were buying them in bulk. We had clients and the whole thing. And, and it, it didn't come without its uh, its destruction at the end of it. And I'll go into that as well. But but this weird kind of thing happened to me. I'm first being introduced to this idea of the law of attraction that I can create this life that I want. And I'm you know doing vision boards and all this other stuff. And then I get into this business and the money comes very, very quickly. I mean, I, we closed our first deal at the end of October of that year. And the two months toward the end of the year, uh, you know, the profit for my business alone was three quarter of a million dollars. And that was the smallest amount of money we made in a two period, two month period of time over the course of about three years. I mean, it was a ridiculous. Wow. Run. And it came with some issues I learned as I look back, you know, <laughs> and like I said, I'm thinking I'm this like law of attraction wizard guy that I could just create these results out of thin air. I'm thinking that I'm a part of this thing. And I'm looking at, I look back now, historically, like I was able to take advantage in a very lucky way one of the most amazing things that's ever happened in real estate in the United States and the credit markets and the convergence of that and where we were. I mean, it was, it really was lucky, but at the same time, I realized that I did have a hand in as far as creating something for myself to be a part of it. Um, so several years later, legislation changes, the banks aren't having to let go of the house is so cheap. Um, we had a flaw in our model that we had started with that started to kind of rear its ugly head in that there were certain things that we had committed to provide that we thought we had an idea about the cost of it. And we realized we were way off. And so we were running in a net negative. Anytime we would sell something and it was actually costing us money, even though there's a lot of revenue coming in. Mm. Um, so all this stuff was happening. We ended up getting sued by the state of Utah for some stuff that happened with the Securities and Exchange Commission that really wasn't a securities issue, but we kind of got caught in a weird corner with that. And next thing you know, you know, it's five years after that first time. I'm bitter. I'm way overweight. I'm, I'm basically an alcoholic at this point. I'm questioning God. I'm questioning the law of attraction. I'm wondering what the hell happened. I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm just left there kind of spinning because the same principle, I, I, I didn't make this connection until later, but the same principles, the same success-based principles that I had adopted to get into that business and to make it thrive while it was thriving, I had abandoned. And I, but because I had this idea that I could think my way out of it with the law of attraction, I wasn't, I wasn't acknowledging that there is natural law that governs everything. Every decision that you make is paired with a consequence. And yes, you can via your thoughts, create success and create powerful relationships and create abundance, but it's via those natural laws. And I just, I, I missed out on that. I thought I was some Harry Potter wizard dude that could just, you know, <laughs> conjure up with my little wand make a million dollars fall on my head. And it wasn't happening, obviously. And so it caused some issues. Well, being that I was having all this trouble with my, my, my finances were going away. It was, I mean, we were bleeding cash. My health was bad. It was causing strains in my relationship. I didn't want to acknowledge this stuff to myself. I had a very extravagant lifestyle at the time and was blowing through money on my personal level, just very, very foolishly. Talk about natural law. When you, when you don't enact sound success principles related to how you spend your money, it, it will go away. That is not yeah. <laughs> that is 100%. Certain. 
and uh, I have personal experience with that. And then this thing happened in the uh, in the fall of of 2013, where I uh, the, the short version is I I found a lump in my right testicle. I had an emergency surgery to remove it. There was a biopsy and then a CT scan to follow it up. And a few short weeks later, I was diagnosed with what was initially testicular cancer, but it had moved to my lymph nodes and had lymphoma. So I'm this. I remember the drive home of that diagnosis, looking around weeping, realizing for the first time that my life has a clock on it, not wanting to acknowledge that this was what I had created. I was angry. I was bitter. I was worried. I didn't know what to do. And what it did is it forced me to reevaluate every belief that I thought I had. This interesting thing happens to you as a human when you are forced to recognize your own mortality. You start to see things that you normally pass over and go, I have time to figure that out. Those things become very, very prevalent in your awareness. They become like these thorns in your face that you can't not address. And uh, I had this powerful thing happen to me. My The same partner that I'd had the real estate business with had had a, a run in with liver cancer about 10 years before this. And he was told in his diagnosis, he only had about four months to live. You know, Every, his liver was covered with spots. It was bad news. He, they weren't even willing to put him on the transplant list because he was so far gone as far as their, their uh, perspective. And he's kind of a stubborn guy. And so he looks into alternative treatments and he finds this place in Mexico that does this version of therapy called the Gershon therapy. And he goes and checks it out and he's there for six months and he comes back healthy as a horse, fully healed. And the Gershon therapy is kind of, it's kind of froofy. It's like, I mean, it's, they really apply things on an energetic level. Like don't have anger in the kitchen where your food is prepared type stuff. Cause that anger can translate into the food. Um, what, everything that goes into your body is important. The relationships you have, the stress, and they, they, they break down that, you know, when your body has disease, it really is not at ease. There's dis ease in the experience of your body. So I called Trent, his, his name's Trent. I call him up and I'm like, what's going on, dude? I, he, he, he asked me what's going on and I tell him. And he starts asking me these really kind of poignant questions. Like, so you know you don't have to choose that, right? And I'm, I'm not in the mood to have this sort of <laughs> metaphysical, you know, conversation. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't need that right now. I just need my friend. He's like, no, like really, Bryce. He's like, have you, have you literally, have you truly been choosing health? And I said, no, I've been passive in it. I've just been going along. He's like, well, try that. He gave me some resources. He goes, you, it's not like you're going to die tomorrow. He's like, you have a chance to where if you want to try out an alternative treatment, you could do it. And it's not going to have too much of an effect. Try it out. Try a home version of the Skirshon therapy. Choose health. Make that a deliberate part of your choice, part of your intention. Stop drinking. Really revamp my diet. Start losing a bunch of weight. Got into a fitness regiment with a regimen with a guy here that's a kind of a, a local hometown hero football guy that has a performance gym. Started learning that in my late 30s I needed to be lifting weights instead of doing the treadmill and like allowing my body to respond hormonally to where my testosterone would go up, my growth hormone would would do what it needed to. So I just revamped all this stuff in my life, and you know, shortly after that, you know, within a year and a half, um, I was in better shape. My relationships were back. I was feeling more purpose filled and, and my, my health had returned. In the meantime, though, I had gotten out of real estate and I had been trying my hand at agricultural commodities on a global scale. I'd had a, a big book full of, of uh, relationships. I knew a lot of people. Um, in, a, in, a, in an earlier part of my life, I actually lived in Brazil for a couple of years. And so I knew the culture there and, and kind of how they are. I speak Portuguese. 
Uh, I had spent a little bit of time in Argentina as well. And so I was able to parlay my knowledge of speaking Portuguese into speaking Spanish. And I met a guy that had relationships in Southeast Asia. And we thought, well, might as well try to put together some of these deals. The money was very, very lucrative if you could do it right. But it was very hard to put it together. And so I'm going through all this stuff with my body and my relationships and my shift here while trying to do this, this job in commodities where I 100% was chasing money. I was There's no purpose in it other than money. And it was fun to travel the world a little bit and see other cultures, but I, I wasn't in line with anything with my purpose. And in about a year after my diagnosis, I find myself in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We were there on a deal and we had, we had uh, flown in a bunch of Chinese uh, entrepreneurs that were going to, uh, they, they wanted a certain stipulation to be able to, to go under contract for a deal. We had everything lined up and uh, we had found out as soon as we got there that we'd been hoodwinked, that they were there to see four other people too. And it just, we were, they came on our dime. It was just not a, it was a bad look for everybody involved. And I find myself, you know, drunk on a bottle of wine sitting in this bar in Sao Paulo, Brazil, nibbling on a steak, pissed off that I'd gotten myself once again <clears throat> into a position where I was doing something for money, but feeling empty inside about it. And that was when my podcast journey started. Because I thought to myself, I, I, I had this real moment. There's certain things I don't know. I don't know how to have a balanced life. I don't know how to not chase money. I don't know how to not be that guy, that guy that's boring, that just all he does is talk about his deals and his business, but doesn't have any depth to his conversation. I hadn't read a book in a while. Like I was that guy. I was tired of being that guy. And so I started my podcast a couple months later. Um, and it was called Rules of Success. And I basically interviewed people that I wanted to learn from. I used it as a networking tool to get with superstars. And what ended up happening is I ran that show for 182 episodes. It was you know two and a half years. Interviewed A-list celebrities. Two Olympic gold medalists were my guests. I've had uh, athletes, trainers, high-level entrepreneurs. I mean, really, really successful people. And this thing started happening to me um, about... A third of the way through the entire experience, I start. I'm, I'm a quick study. When when I when I when I start to learn something, like I really understand it on a deep level, and I can teach it. And I I started having people reach out to me saying, "Hey, I really liked what you talked about on that 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 uh, that episode with so and so. Would you be willing to help me apply it? It sounds like you you kind of have this figured out." And I kind of fumbled in to becoming a performance coach. So I'd have this happen. And then I, I hired a coach myself to kind of help me figure out what to do with this. It was the first time ever where I had leads coming in, but no business. Like it was the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. And this other shift started happening in that I stopped being so enamored with the guests that I was having. I, I realized, you know, about halfway to two thirds of the way in that some of the people that I were interviewing, um, I was doing that interview for a favor for somebody else or whatever. And they, they really weren't worth my time, but I was there to kind of acquiesce over them. Like, oh my gosh, you're so great. When they don't have the results that I would consider great. And on top of that, I felt that even in, I'm, I'm positioning them as an expert, but I have better results or understanding of what they're being an expert about. So it became this thing where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I feel, I feel weird about it. It feels out of alignment. So last summer, actually, I shut it down. Uh, my, my podcast rules of success. And I went full in on performance coaching. Like I created a bunch of different assets. I started doing daily content with videos on social media, 
started approaching, you know, organizations that needed training for sales individuals and that, the, that understood that when your employees are happy outside of work and they've got their relationships on point and their fitness is better, they actually make you more money. If you're an entrepreneur, the way you want to make more money, it might not seem like there's a direct linear connection, but get yourself in shape, have a good relationship with your spouse and kids, be connected excuse me, be connected to yourself, understand what your purpose is. That makes you more money. Like I, I started to, to teach this in a very profound way. And I started to get clients coming out to me where I wasn't even having to do any sort of paid advertising or anything. And uh, I realized about, this is last January, I realized I kind of miss podcasting. Like the podcasting medium is a great medium to really share my personality and my teaching and the things that I do good. And it allows a, a, an additional distribution channel, if you will, for my message that uh, I love and I'm good at. So I started up another show at the beginning of this year. It's just called The Bryce Prescott Show. I jokingly say, what sort of prick has the audacity to name a show after himself? And then I do the two thumbs back at me, you know, this guy. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really a combination of my entire life. Mm. I, <laughs> I've, in the last several months, ventured into stand-up. I do some comedy. I share a little bit of that on my podcast. I share my teaching principles on my podcast. I give people an excuse to try new things in their life if they're not getting the results they want. Um, it's really just kind of an open book, almost like an audio vlog, if you will, of, of my life and experience. And it's uh, it's unbridled. It's uncensored. It's all me. And it's continued to get me like more and more business. As soon as I, you know, it's funny when I, I when I got into stand up, for example, I I was worried that was actually going to take away from my client base. And I had people that were on the fence finally reach out to me, go, oh, this is great. Like you're willing to put yourself into a position to be an idiot for a little bit to learn a new skill. I like that you're doing that. Let's run. So, um, you know, that's a pretty long winded answer. I don't know how long I took on that, but it's been a long run. The, 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 the result that I now experience is something that I want for everybody. And that result is, is that I have a, a, a business that I love that creates a lifestyle that I have designed, that I, I do what I want when I want within reason, obviously. And I'm able to really just enjoy life at a different level, enjoy my family and to be, I, I say that it, it gives me the opportunity to be a lighthouse when it comes to helping people as opposed to a tugboat. Um, I'm able to have a different perspective for helping people guide them into where they need to go as opposed to having to go out and save every single individual person on their own. So, well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that you didn't stop actually, me, so I think we're okay on the no, line. On that. <laughs> no, it was a lot more in depth than I, even when we talked, and and I appreciate you being authentic and real in in the in the the description of that because I think it allows the audience to really better connect with who you are. Is like people lean in when when people are truly authentic, and so I appreciate you doing that. Um, as I'm kind of listening to you, I'm, I'm I'm writing a bunch of notes, and so they're all over the place. So I might jump around a little bit. Sure. But uh, one of the first things that really struck me was you're one of those people, from what I'm gathering from from the story that you're telling me of your story, is it, it really doesn't matter what it is, you're going to be successful. And I think that uh, sometimes uh, people struggle with success. They they have this idea, they're like, man, I really want to make money, and they have to strive and and claw and and just fight to get whatever they want. And then there's other people that I think it comes naturally to. And I think that you're one of those people that, it, that there is some natural cause of attraction, which might be part of the mindset thing that you've talked about. Um, but I think that there's just, there's, there's certain people that have certain gifts with that. Uh, what really intrigued me though, was I think a lot of times people are always playing the, uh, 
comparison game. They're like, man, if I could be like Bryce, if I could go out there and chase, chase my dream, uh, find something that I am passionate about or, or that I think that I'm really good at and go out there and attain it and then see success so quickly that, man, that's, that's really what I want to do. That's what I want to be. If, if I can go out there and do that, it's going to be amazing. And I think the really intriguing part of your story was that you've said multiple times that you chased money. And from what I gathered was there was no fulfillment in that. There was maybe a temporary fulfillment in chasing money and being successful and doing those things. But it seems like every story has a little bit of an arc to it and, and it has like those valleys and those peaks. And and no yeah. matter how much money you've made or how much success that you've achieved, it seems like it always kind of came back to the same place. Well, uh, until now, but, but then yeah. like you realize that there was a cycle that was happening is massive amount of energy, massive amount of uh, business and, planning and everything put into place and then something happens and then it drops and then you're like all right i'm gonna make a decision here do i want to move forward or do i just want to sit here and stay at this bar and you're like all right we're gonna we're gonna move forward we're gonna go there but the thing that changed was that it became less about you chasing money and more about you helping other people and that's really where the fulfillment came into place so before we get into the fulfillment part can you talk a little bit about, especially to somebody who's looking at an individual and saying, if I can get that success, if I can get that six-figure income, if I can get that title, if I can get get that business where I'm just knocking it out of the park, talk about how the success didn't necessarily bring the fulfillment. Sure. Um, well, one of the things that sticks out most as I, as I listen to you and uh, – you're, 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 you're so generous and how you've recalled that for me. I appreciate that. One of the things I think that listeners of the show need to do, one of the first things that they need to do if they're feeling any sort of inspiration or pull or, or anything or, or want, desire for a different life is they have to define for themselves what success is. We throw this word around, like even I heard it from you, that you know that I, I'm, it would seem that I've always been able to be successful. Well, that's a, that is a, those are moving goalposts. Success is something that we, we've just automatically attached to money, but having a lot of money and having a horribly overweight body that causes you pain where you can't sleep or not having had you know a, an intimate exchange with your wife in four months because she doesn't like you because you never keep your commitments on when you're going to be home, but yet the bank accounts are full. That's mm-hmm. not success. And so... I feel that one of the things that happens, especially in our our culture, is that we get we get intoxicated by the idea of having a lot of money at whatever cost. But then when we actually achieve that money, we are left to deal with the cost. And that cost sometimes, most times, unless it's deliberately designed beforehand, is something we don't like. That's why every entrepreneur has their I had it all. It was so great. And I, you know, fell to the earth and crashed and burned and bankruptcy and divorce. And every entrepreneur, it seems, or most of them have that story. Well, the reason why is because when they got to the peak, the quote unquote peak, it wasn't a peak at all. They had a bunch of money, but everything else was more that was more horrible for them. They didn't like where their life was. And so naturally, we will sabotage ourselves to get out of uncomfort that we can't sustain. Now, I say that deliberately. It takes being uncomfortable to be successful, no matter what your definition of success really is. I guess within reason. For me, success means 
having the time and the resources to choose where I put my time and resource. That might seem a little redundant, but if I have the money and the time to be able to decide what I do and when I do it, that is the ultimate level of success. And if I was to have to double, if I was to say, okay, if I can double the amount of money I have right now, but it would mean doubling the amount of time I spend away from my family. Nope. That cost is something I'm unwilling to do. And most people in entrepreneur land and sales land and all that, they can't see past that because they've only equated their value to their family as the money. But yet they overlook that their presence and their influence is far more valuable than their money. I also want to make sure I'm clear that does not mean you can't be incredibly rich financially and still have a life that does it. It's about designing it up front. You know, with the, in our world with technology, especially, you know, salespeople, I hear this a lot from sales guys that I work with. They'll say, well, dude, I got I to gotta put in the reps, man. I got to spend time doing this. I got to do my leads. I got to do this. And I go, yes, you do. But there's so much more design you can have to make sure that you're super focused when you're doing that. And then you can outsource or do other things that free up your time that let you have a successful sales-based business where you're top salesperson, whatever, and not have to be chained to your job. You know, I heard you describe how, um, you know, people say, oh, I want to be like that guy. I want to do that. The, the, the beautiful irony of that is that the way that you become that guy is to become yourself. When you double down on you, you honor your interests you honor your spirit, you honor your family, your relationships, you honor your money. You do all those things in conjunction with each other with a, de with a, a designed intent and a result that you get to choose. You become very appealing to other people. You become the one that people look at and go, man, that is awesome. I want to be like that guy. <laughs> and they don't realize that they don't want, like nobody wants to really be me. They just want to be their own version of me. And I don't want to be like anybody else when I'm inspired by other people or their results. Or it's, it's, I want my own version of that. And that's where we, we, we really get to acknowledge who we are. Like I said, you know, it, I, I briefly talked about when I got into standup again, I'm just a couple months in, I'm not like some great comic yet or anything, but I did that because I've always been somewhat of a funny guy. I was always the life of the party wherever I was. I've always been able to kind of tell jokes that make people laugh. And I did it as like a dare almost. And when I tried it the first time, I'm like, I got to, I, I want to go back the next week where nobody's here, where I'm being judged for my funny and not because I did it. And it opened up this stuff where I started seeing growth and expansion. And I started seeing how the psychology works with humor and how there's a, there's some brain science where as a coach, I get to utilize humor more because humor is like this supercharged direct line into that part of your brain that makes things instantly recallable. If you can be taught with humor, you can be so much more powerful as a facilitator and the person receiving remembers it. And so I start getting this stuff and, and then people start coming out of the woodwork about, I think that's so great, dude. I think it's time. Let's work together. And I, I, I didn't know that was going to happen. I'm like, I thought people would think, oh, he's going to do this now. Like, but it, it's not what happened. And it's never been my intent to, you know, change course. I've done it as a hobby, but being living my life out loud and sharing that. And, you know, you go to my socials, I don't hold anything back. It's really been something that has, has created my own version of that for other people. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not some special guy. Like I just, I just do things a little differently. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that part of it because uh, 
that's really kind of hitting on some of the messages that we're talking about here in this podcast and in multiple episodes is that success is multifaceted. It is not just financial. It's not just about title. And then I think you really encompassed a statement that I actually found on your website that I wrote down here, which was a kind of a talking point um, was it, it basically says on your website, it says, who is Bryce Prescott? And it says, I am. Yeah. And what I love about that was uh, I think so often, and I think you mentioned it earlier, we're always trying to be something. We're trying to be what we believe we should be, or we believe that uh, is that definition of success. So I, I call that plan A. Plan A is I find these people in my life that are achieving something or doing something that I feel like I should do or some level of success that I should have. And so I'm striving for that. But what you're talking about is plan B, which is not just the letter B, it's B-E, which is to be yourself. If you're truly tuned into who you are, into your plan B, then that's be, that's when you become that guy, that guy that everybody wants to be like because you're unique. You're not a carbon copy of somebody else and their success. The yeah. best you'll ever be, if, you, if I try to be Bryce Prescott, I will be maybe the second best Bryce Prescott out there, but I can only... Uh, mimic and do things that you've already done. I'm, there's never an original thought that comes from what I do at that point. And that's yeah. the importance of that design that you talked about, designing who you are up front. I'm sure there's a lot of things that you do that you really are energized by and maybe to the extent where it's a little dangerous because you put so much time and effort into that that you neglect some of the things that you really believe to be important that bring you life as well. And so you have to find that more balanced approach to it because when you when you do have that balanced approach, there's more fulfillment. Um, success and fulfillment, I don't think, are the same thing. And I think that when you have that ability to have success with fulfillment, that that's really the success that I think we're really ultimately striving towards. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of things to, to kind of unpack with what I hear from you there. I, I believe that it's important for me anyway to involve fulfillment in my definition of success. Like mm -hmm. I don't consider myself successful if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing and feel like I'm actually, you know, I was, a, I was a Boy Scout when I was younger. They had that whole thing, leave no trace. Like I don't want to leave damage in my wake, even though I've had some things that have happened that are I'm not proud of. Like it now, like I, I'm looking to make things better as I go along and, and leave people better than, than they, than they found themselves before our first interaction. Additionally, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I remember you referencing about comparison and talking about how that's something that is a, is a challenge for people. You know, there's that great quote that says comparison is the thief of joy. When you compare yourself to other people, you're comparing their strengths to your weaknesses. You will never win that game. You're not accounting for the things that you're great at that they aren't. You're not allowing yourself to look at you. So it becomes something where you you feel second, like a second rate version of the person you think you should be because you're not stacking up against this arbitrary list that isn't real anyway, because you don't know the real weaknesses of what you're comparing against. You know, uh, one of the things that has come up a lot when I do work with my clients and talking about, well, okay, Bryce, what does that mean? Like be myself, be authentic. What the heck does that mean? I have no idea what that means. And a lot of people don't. They're like, that just sounds like a bunch of hogwash. Like, oh, be yourself. Like some people are so disconnected from like who they really are that that seems like you're talking Greek, you know, like, uh, I don't know. And the doorway into kind of understanding that is to say, well, act out your personality. When you, when you, when you be yourself, what you're doing is you're allowing the full breadth of your personality to be shown. Are you actually a funny person that you always throttle that? Well, be funny. 
Are you actually more caring and compassionate that you let yourself show because you might perceive it as a weakness? Be caring and compassionate. Let your personality go. Now, (laughs) there's a caveat on that. We live in a culture where it's really easy to not have one, where you become such a boring (laughs) person that you bore yourself to death. So you have to attach these other ways. And so in that stage, I'd say, well, that's where you got to go get one. Pick up a book, go skiing, do something where you're requiring yourself to look at life through a different lens. And you are seeing a perspective that allows you to have an angle that helps you learn something, you know, coaching and comedy are very similar things in that the way that you succeed at them is through the exploitation of angles. When I come in, when I come into working with a new client, nothing that I talk about or help them with is, is really brand new information. It's just, I come at it from a different angle that they've able, been able to, to conceptualize before. And then we apply it using some really, you know, tried and true techniques and it creates almost instant change. And they think, well, how did you figure that out? I'm like, it's not new. Like the wheel does, is not being reinvented here. I'm just coming at it from a different side that kind of made you not be prepared for it. And it was more impactful. Comedy's that way. The best comedy writers and jokes are coming at from angles. Um, your personality, I think, is an angle. If you're having a tough time understanding who you really are, the angle to lean in on that is just, you know, what is my personality? Like, what do I like? What do I not like? What is... What makes me laugh? What makes me cry? What makes me, you know, get excited? Where are my loyalties? Like, if you can figure that out, then it's the, that that is the more expanded answer to the question: How do I be? How do I be myself? How do I be authentic? Yeah, you're talking about taking that inventory, which is asking yourself those questions. And I, I encourage the listeners to listen back, listen back to some of those questions that you were kind of repeating to yourself, because I think that's a clue in to helping you identify really who you are. But I think another part of that is uh, having the courage to say yes. You, you talked about earlier how uh, to be successful in business, you have to be uncomfortable. I would say to find out who you are is being uncomfortable as well, because yeah. you're pushing yourself beyond that comfort zone. And that comfort zone is just allowing you to stay in what you, what is familiar to you. And if you really don't know who you are, then you're never going to know if you're not saying yes to things like trying stand-up comedy or, or going skiing, or um, maybe it's taking a class and learning something new, learning pottery, learning how to be artistic. If, if you've always told yourself, I'm not an artistic person. You're going to believe that. But if you truly go out there and try it, maybe somebody told you that when you were 10 years old and that's something that you've carried your entire life and you've thought, well, I'm just not an artistic person because somebody spoke that into you that long ago and you've believed it ever since then. You've never really truly awakened something inside of you that that potentially has been dormant this entire time. And as soon as you tap into it, you're going to find out something completely different about yourself. And I think that that's one of those things that as we are not just leaders, but just as people, like if we can truly tap into who we are and that purpose and everything else. And like you said, come at it from those different angles and really test those angles and test those uh, beliefs that we have. I think you become a more authentic person as a result of that, which then creates those laws of attraction where you're attracting people to you. And you've already said it, uh, you know, with your comedy, you're out there trying something completely new and that's bringing people to you and you weren't even expecting that to happen. And I think that's because in, in my opinion with comedy, 
comedy is is about vulnerability. It's about having the ability to laugh at yourself and to share things that you probably wouldn't normally share with people. And that's a lot of times what makes it funny because you're sitting there going, you're, you're telling the story about what happened and you're really kind of saying the inner monologue of what's 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 really happening with with yourself and, and what's going on. And people relate to that. I think too often if you were to if you were to go up there and and do a comedy routine and you're just boasting about how you're great at everything, you would absolutely just bomb on stage yeah. because nobody would be able to relate to that. People relate to your comedy because you're talking about your faults. You're talking about uh, the way that you think this probably, probably not right, but I'm going to say it anyway, because that's, that's who I am. And that authenticity, authenticity is what draws people to you. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing, you know. I getting into that, I was naturally exposed to an entirely different network of people because there's a there's a decent little you know stand up comedy sort of network here in Salt Lake. It's not bigger. It's, Salt Lake isn't a good comedy town by all, by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> there's only a couple open mics every week, and but there's some great comedians that are here that have that have been able to go on and and be successful outside of Utah. And coming at it the way that I have you know, relatively speaking, already having a business, I don't need, I don't make any money from standup. It's not like I'm, you know, getting paid to do any of that. But I look around at some of the other people that are there and I see the ones that are thriving and I see the ones that are struggling. And it really comes back to some very simple success-based principles. The ones that are struggling aren't consistent and they don't honor their craft. The ones that are thriving may not even be the funniest or the most talented, but they're always trying. And they're always putting themselves in positions to learn. And their arc of learning is really rapid. I mean, some of the, uh, it's been really impressive to me to kind of see that. One of the guys that um, is, he's one of my favorite people in the world. I, I met him in person a couple months ago. There's a guy by the name of Tyler Harris that runs this uh, vlog on YouTube called The Daily Bread. And uh, he, uh, by, by trade, he's an insurance salesman. And he's, he's the top insurance salesman in the United States. Like he did, he's done 7,500 policies in the last two and a half years. I mean, he's ridiculously successful. And he has this mantra that just, I keep having come up all the time in different interactions where he says, if you seek, if you seek for comfort, you will always have misery. But if you seek for fulfillment, you'll always be comfortable. And you've got to be okay to be uncomfortable. Like, and it's only uncomfortable for a little bit of time. Like putting yourself in an uncomfortable position passes the first time I stood in front of a mic doing an open mic, I was scared out of my gourd. It was it was like I walked through this waterfall of anxiety when I stepped on that stage. And it was a, a, a blur. I don't even remember really specifics of what I talked about other than I was prepared. I'd written a funny bit. And then when I got off, I realized I have to do that again because I don't even know what happened. Like it was this blur. <laughs> And every time I've gone back, there's been varying, you know, I've, I've gotten more and more comfortable and, and my stage presence gets better and the whole thing. But it's always uncomfortable. Even now, like tonight, we're, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I'm going down to an open mic. Even now, like I've been going through my mind, this new material that I've been working on to try to make it funny. And it, uh, there's this like anxiety that I'm feeling the entire day about it, making sure it comes across and it, it won't change. That will never change. And I love that feeling because that means I'm uncertain and uncertainty. It's, it's like, it applies to so many things. I mean, I'm sure that people listening to this, some of them are, you know, fitness guys. If you're trying for a new one rep max on a squat or a bench press, you don't know if you're going to get the bar up and you're anxious and it's a lot of force and exertion. But once you get it up, there's an 
a release. It's freaking exciting. And that excitement is way is, is totally worth the price of that anxiety and that comfort or un, uh, that discomfort. And so no matter who you are listening to this, you deserve to have a life that you're proud of and you deserve to have more time. You deserve to make better money. I won't say more money. I'll say better money. And what I mean by, by better money is money that you're not hogtied to. And all this stuff that we've talked about might seem kind of rainbows and unicorns-ish. You know, we're going to sit around and talk about our feelings and grab the guitar and sing Kumbaya. These are principles that if you really do apply them in, in short order of your life, they make massive differences in the result of what you experience. Your life is funner. It's happier. Your relationships are better. You actually get to live. Like we're not here on this planet to be cogs in a machine where we're miserable all the time. We're here to experience fulfillment and joy and fun. And sometimes in order to have the most fun and the most fulfillment and the most joy, we got to be uncomfortable sometimes and deliberate in what we're doing and why we're doing it. So anyway, I'm going to step off my box now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it cool. I put the box in place there so you could stand on it. But uh, I love how we're talking about principles and, and we're talking about um, even going back to your mortality. That's what's really causing people to really consider those questions. I mean, you, you talked earlier about how you were passive in life. And I think it's really easy to be passive life. That's that comfortability. That's that. That's where you just kind of flow through, and whatever happens, happens. And uh, you get that anxiety, and you're just like, man, I I don't know if I like this. But if you've only had the anxiety, but you've never pushed through it to have that release, I think that's where you start to feel that motivation to say, okay, it's it's okay for me to get outside of that comfort zone because it definitely does it. It definitely has a payoff, but it's leading me to something else. And I think that when you're passive, you're just, just whatever happens, happens. But when you're intentional and you're pushing towards that, you see what you're working towards. And, and like you said, you're, you're having those laws of attraction. There's, you're putting it out there and, and, and people are hearing you talk about it. And now I'm sure you have people that hear you're doing comedy and they're like, oh, well, I want to come hear you do comedy. And maybe that encourages somebody to try comedy on their own. It's, all these things that are happening together, next thing you know, you're connected to Tyler and you're connected to all these other people that you never would have thought that you would have a connection with. And now yeah. you have all these things that you can talk about. Next thing you know, uh, you're sitting there going, maybe maybe we could collaborate. Maybe we could work together. Maybe we could do this. And, and all these things happen just because you made that decision to go to an open mic and be uncomfortable and push yourself beyond some of the things that you maybe you thought you might enjoy doing, but really realize that it was something that would actually motivate you and challenge you and make you sharper and make you stronger. Because now, no matter what you're doing, you have that confidence to maybe build something bigger than you even dreamed of, or maybe push that goal out a little bit further than you thought you were capable of doing. Because uh, I was listening to a guy speak, uh, Charlie Ergen, and he, he, this guy is a billionaire and he's running this multi-billion dollar company. And he sat up on stage and said, I didn't dream big enough. I needed to dream bigger. If I had dreamt bigger, I would have seen this, this, and this. And I'm sitting there going, I feel like your dream was pretty awesome. It was a pretty good dream. Like you, you're, you're doing pretty well for yourself. And he just sat there and just said, I didn't dream big enough. And uh, I, he's like, I missed some things. I, I legitimately missed some things that I, I, I should have seen. I could have seen it if I just dreamed a little bit bigger. And I think that when you have that confidence in yourself to know that it, you can push through that uncertainty, maybe it's a short time, maybe it's a long time, it allows you to increase the size of that dream because you don't know that you're capable of it, but you don't also don't. That's the thing about uncertainty. It There's definitely a chance that it couldn't happen. Yeah. But the other side of uncertainty is it could happen. 
Yeah. And, and it's almost like a coin flip. And so I would much rather take that chance of uncertainty, knowing that I'm potentially pushing myself out to something much bigger that, as opposed to saying, well, it's very certain if I don't do this, that nothing will happen. And so that's where the uncertainty comes into play. People look at the negative side of uncertainty and say, it could go wrong. But the optimist looks at uncertainty and says, it, but it could go right. And if I stay here, I know nothing will change. Yeah. Well, the, the, the other part of that that I think is important to distinguish is that you've got to be willing to fall in love with the process. Because, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to wax philosophical here for a second, so bear with me. All we really have is today, is right now. That's all we have. The only thing, our life is just a series of connected moments of now. We just got right now. So when we make a decision to experience something different in the future via reaching a goal, what we're doing is we're looking to connect these, you know, these moments of now in an upward spiral sort of way to where we can have a different experience. And again, I told you I was going to wax philosophical here. This is some, some, some deep stuff. <laughs> Everything in our life comes down to feelings, to feelingness. If we say that we have a goal to you know, reach a million dollars in sales or to buy a Ferrari or a new house, we really don't care about the goal, the sales goal or the house with Ferrari. We care about what it feels like. We care about what it feels to drive that car, the grip of the wheel in our hands, to hear the roar of the engine. We, we care about the prestige that we feel when we pull into the gas station and that kid comes up to us and goes, oh man, that's a great car. And we let him sit in the passenger seat because we're good, we're good that way. We, 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 we love the feeling of entertaining other people at our beautiful home and being able to give an experience like that to other people. So when you set your goals, when you set your dreams, it's not some picture that means nothing. It's a, it's, every goal has what I call a goal DNA where you can strip it out and see exactly what it is. And the beautifulness of that is that when you when you look at it from that way, you actually realize your goals are a lot closer to achieving than you ever thought if you're able to see what your real motivation is. And the way you get there as well is you've got to fall in love with the process because every connected moment of now, as I said, all you got to do is make a little bit of increase every time. And if you dip, that's cool. But you just, you know, generally you got to have your momentum going, going upward and you'll get there. And also if you don't, know where you're going if you haven't made the choice of what your result is that you're going for and all of the feelingness associated with that result, the house, the car, the money, whatever, the new relationship, whatever. If you don't have a clear picture of what that looks like in your mind and with your emotions, you can't gain any velocity towards getting there because you'd be hurling towards some furry abyss you can't see. And that's not how the universe works. So you really want to get to your goals quickly, define exactly what you want, define when you want them. And then from that point, you can have all sorts of speed hurling towards it because the universe rewards decisions. It rewards choice. It rewards certainty. And what I mean by certainty as opposed to uncertainty, I'm talking about certainty in what you're doing, certainty in why you're doing it, where you're going uncertainty in the process and not being able to see around the corner is required too, but that's not the type of uncertainty I'm talking about when it comes to knowing where you want to go. Well, man, you did get a little philosophical there. I appreciate that. <laughs> you bet, brother. Listeners, there's a lot to unpack here. And uh, when you're looking at everything that we've talked about, hopefully you're picking up some of those clues that success leaves behind. Some of those principles that we're talking about here where we're, we're following those feelings, but we're really following 
the feelings that come along with those goals that we're, we're setting in front of ourselves and deciding what we want to do. Uh, man, there's just so much awesome stuff here. And uh, Bryce, I want to thank you for being a part of the show, a part of um, everything that you do on, on the Bryce Prescott show and everything else. If you don't mind, uh, tell the listeners a little bit, like how do they connect with you? How do they find you uh, online if they want to want to tune into what you got going on? Sure. Well, before I go into that, uh, Evan, thank you so much for the platform. This has been a fun conversation for me. I I really appreciate you letting me just kind of spew my stuff all over the (laughs) all over the place here. It's uh, it's 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 my life's work. It's my passion to really help people to transform one area of their life so they can transform all areas of their life. Uh, Basically, I've I've tried to make it as simple as possible for those that want to interact with me. Um, If you go to BrycePrescott.com, and my name is spelled B R Y C E. P-R-E-S-C-O-T-T. So Bryce with a Y, one S, two T's and Prescott. I've got links to all my socials there. I have Instagram, YouTube, um, Twitter, Facebook. Obviously, I've got a blog on my website. Um, I've got my two podcasts. I have players on that where you could listen directly from the website, but I also have links to, I've got, I'm on Spotify, I'm on Google Play, I'm on iTunes, I'm on YouTube. So just everything you would need is uh, basically at my website at BrycePrescott.com. And, uh, you know, I do, I do other, I do speaking engagements. If there's something you'd like to discuss there, I've got a page where you can look onto it. Um, there's a contact form. It's pretty easy once you get to my website on how to get in touch with me. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I always like to give my guests the final word, uh, a chance to di- speak directly to the audience. And uh, as we've kind of talked and you've gotten kind of an understanding of, of who we're trying to reach here with this podcast, uh, I really want to give you an opportunity to s- speak directly to young business leaders, those people who are finding themselves in that leadership role and realizing that success is multifaceted and that they need to be intentional and they need to make those choices to really uh, accelerate that growth to what they're trying to achieve. So Bryce, what would you say your message is to young business leaders? Well, I'm just, if it's cool, I'm just going to speak directly to them. So yeah, go for it. My man, my, my, my woman, wh- whoever you are that's listening to this, it's important for me to share with you that you're not alone. You have all those thoughts inside your head sometimes and you're going about building your business, doing what you do. You're not alone. There are people that have experienced what you've experienced and are there to assist you. It's just a matter of finding them. And, uh, Every desire that you have to make a difference, every desire that you have to make money so that you can provide a life for yourself and your family that's better, all those wonderful desires, those are there for a reason. You are destined to be something that you can't even comprehend yet. Your greatness is uncertain yet. You haven't even designed or you haven't even tapped into the possibility that exists for the impact that you will leave on this world and the income you can earn doing it. What I'd like to do is if you're uncertain about any of that stuff or you don't have confidence in that yet, please reach out to me. I'd love to have a quick conversation with you to get you on track with that. Because the fact of the matter is is that you and your world, our world is better when you're at the top of your game. And I'd love to help you get there. Awesome. Bryce, thank you so much. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. 
Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.